born too late to save the children. Born too early to go to Sunday school. Wait, that's fucked up. Too, <laughs> too old. Yeah. Too old to go to Sunday school. Too young to save the children. What are we to do? Left at the crossroads between the centuries. We are the forgotten. The forgotten children. The internet. The lost ones. We're survivors. We're a dying breed. Alright, I want to talk about the Churchilla bus incident. I, okay, I looked it up after I sent you that meme and you told me, and then I was like so defensive, I was like, no, I want to read it. And every time I would read it, I think it's because I'm programmed to fall asleep to creepypastas, it's like my sleeper word, it just immediately puts me out and I start doing crimes in downtown LA. Um, every time I'd start to read it, I would just immediately fall asleep. So I don't know it still. So this is some true crime juicy shit. All right. So once upon a time in California, there's a man. We're going we're gonna to say one man for now, even though it's definitely not just one dude. There's the Zodiac Killer. And the Zodiac Killer enjoyed killing women and children. And he said in one of his letters, I am now going to target school children. Mm. That week, man driving a bus full of kids and a van is pulled over now right in front of them. They get out. They got shotguns. They got fishnets over their heads. Mm -hmm. And number one, the bus driver stopped. Why the fuck would you stop? Just keep going. This is about where I fall asleep usually. Yeah. Because I get... Is there more than one people in the van? There's three. Okay. Three. They're all tiny. Okay. They're all like short. <laughs> Curious. <people>. Like, <laughs> the goon bus hyperstition perhaps? Hmm. And I don't know why the fuck... The, the bus driver... This is the enemy of the story. I'm going to be real. The Zodiac Killer is bad, but the bus driver is the real enemy. Bureaucracy. The, Administrators. I mean, just wait until you hear the more, more of the shit this motherfucker does. So, they commandeer the bus. They hijack the bus and have all the kids get out, take down their names and addresses and they take a shoe from each. It's very uh, systematic. They pack them into the van with the bus driver and they drive around and then they get out and uh, there's a hole underground. There's an underground hole. And there's a tractor trailer buried. They shove them all in there, cover the entrance, and there's like a single fan that's like bringing in air from mm -hmm. high up. It's like deep, deep, buried deep. And there's like bread and chips and water. But all the kids are like shitting on the floor. They're all like losing air because the fan barely works. And they're like, I was like, oh, we need to get out. I want to escape. The bus driver's like, you're going to die here. <laughs> he's already he's he's eating, totally eating all the chips, eating all the bread. He's like, fuck these. We're going to die here. I mean, you've had bus drivers. You know they would do this. I've never had a bus driver that I'm confident would, like, save my life. <laughs> They're just like, oh, I, I can't do it, man. I can't let you on. <laughs> these kids, bro. And... One, the one, the oldest kid, I think is like 12, 
and he starts digging a hole, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, just give up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, whispering behind he's, the, he's, like, clearly much bigger. And he's, like, going to easily, easily speed up the process. And it, oh, don't bother. Don't bother, kid. I've seen this before, trust me. It's not going to work. I died this way in my past life, like, 20 times. Let it go. But the kid's doing it, and, and starts to make progress, and then finally it's like, all right, I guess I'll help. And they make it up. Mm-hmm. They get out. The whole whole group? The whole group. Everybody's saved because the one 12-year-old is like, I'm going to get us out. And the bus driver dragged his fucking feet the entire way. He's like, don't do it. No, my sinkhole, sinkholes is going to collapse. <laughs> yeah, like, We're going to hit another tractor. Bro, I don't know if I feel good about this. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay back in case someone comes back for us. <laughs> but they get out and they get saved. And they're like trying to investigate. And they give the de- they give the descriptions, and the description of the main dude fits the Zodiac killer, but the other two, who are even tinier, are like toothless, mustachioed <laughs> goons. goons. <laughs> they're, the go- they're goons. And what does turn out is that the tractor trailer is owned by one of the wealthiest families in L.A and they go to investigate and it's just like like Citizen Kane like the, the Pleasure Dome of Kublai Khan but it's all vehicles it's all like burnt out vehicles they've just got like fucking vast amounts of surplus military and government vehicles including other tractor trailers and it's just two sweet old people who answer the door and like is your son home? and the son is like part of this this kind of organization there's kind of a secret organization but they just stop they don't they don't report on it and it's not really you know part of the zodiac killer canon but when i read about it i'm like this is like the most fucked up crime this is the most interesting zodiac killer crime makes me think uh it's as if every major serial killer is somehow um at the behest of large sums of money and some mm. kind of entities out there that want to see want to see these kinds of works. It's interesting because oftentimes these sorts of behaviors are associated with our good friend, Alistair Crowley. But when one does the digging, I think it becomes far more clear Crowley was PRing as an evil dude. But one of his students, who is the executor of Austin Osman Spare's estate, uh, Kenneth Grant. Mm. Grant is far more fucked up. Because, and this is one of the keys, Crowley is like always in search of the truth. He wants reality. He wants to like know the gods. He's more of a, an explorer. Grant is more comfortable with fiction more comfortable with blurred lines. He's not interested in the reality. And that's why he incorporates Lovecraft. He extensively incorporates H.P. Lovecraft into Thelemic magic. And also upholds the Kabbalah, which is like the negative tree of life, the shells of the fruits of the tree of life. And they just be out there talking about killing kids. Not in the fun Aleister Crowley masturbation pun, but, like, pretty bad. I think this is a good transition into two points. Also, that's like a fucking laser lighter, if you can hear that on the, the podcast right now. One is 
uh, a miniature episode we recorded. I don't know if we ever released it. Uh, I think it was called the anti anti gooning equation. The anti gooning. That is you listening to this podcast like an unspeakable one person and plotting using these learnings to only undo the gospel of the goon. Indeed, who who is our grant? Who is to see what we declare evil and demand the truth? The truth of the evil. The anti-gooning equation, though, is a parallel to... There's a plane going by. One second. Look, Mummy. There's an airplane up in the sky. This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. Roger Waters. What's the comic that the anti-gooning equation is from? Is it Thanos? No, no, it's the, the precursor. It's the character Thanos is based on. Okay. It's the, the new gods. Imagine going against life, figuring out how to kill actively with, with the secrets. We are perhaps engaging in what, what anybody engages in, which is, well, we're going to put the evil onto another. We're going to make another one take on all of the evil that we have, we have denied. That's the irony. I'm sure there are listeners who are like, these are two evil dudes. We're like, nah, we're just going to make one dude really evil for us vehicle for the shadow of the MIA. I like to think that the MIA is integrated and this is all just a, a weird bit, a weird spin-off, but I think banning someone from the Discord activates this this arc, this subplot. Care to address? You want me to talk about the... Perhaps. The... Alright. <laughs> a few uh, words for the audience. A few words for, a few words for the Discord, Discordians. You want to know what the true good is? causing chaos. I see a little god growing. I see a little gentleman taking on taking on some vibes that are not rightfully his, and I say oh, I smite. I smite. I am Jupiter. I do not often practice my lightning because I don't care about discord. But when I step in and I feel a bit of a smiting vibe, I will smite. What you're saying, though, about the the vibes, I think uh, anti-vibes are a thing. Yes. You can kill vibes actively. Yes. There are people who suck vibes. Yes. They need to be smited. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think the other thing I wanted to talk about wasn't Goonbus. What were we, we were talking about? Who were we talking about before Discord? The Zodiac Killer. Ah, oh, fuck. I had something really good. Something really fucking juicy. It'll come back to me. Let's just keep talking. How have you been the last, last two months? What have we been up to? Possums. That's relatively recent. There are a preponderance of possums in the MIA, a new unit, developing. 
Who would have thought possums could sneak their way into most secure locations and bring out anyone from hiding? Their sheer cuteness, their babiness. One would imagine they are stealthy. One would imagine the small small size would ensure stealth. But a few of them are, are little clunkers. Little clunkers. Maybe let's interlude for a second and pause. Fuck, I can't remember what I was. Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna. Alright, right. And. Do you clap, Rex? One, two. Alright, we're back after the interlude. I remembered my point, which was we were talking yesterday. Chris had a really funny idea. There are these YouTubers, uh, YouTubers who do like. We broke into a dumpster and we ate garbage. Like, and they've got like a thumbnail where they've got this like amazing wow face and they're like pointing at the dumpster. And we were thinking we should do a series of thumbnails and maybe videos if we can actually get to some of these places, but Lovecraftian YouTube. The idea is you take a very like normie YouTuber and you show him unspeakable horrors. He's like, we awakened a Aeon old beast. <laughs> we checked out the ruins of the nameless city. Guess what happened? Um, another plane. I just love the idea of like uh, bringing naysayers. I think the the thing that maybe got at this best was there was a small little micro movement online where Logan Paul. There was a reality where Logan Paul was going to rent a cruise with Alex Jones and a bunch of influencers and go to prove that the Earth is flat. They were going to boat to Antarctica. Suddenly, idea disappears immediately. It was like one novel thing. They're getting hyped about it on the pod. They're getting all razzed up. They're making plans. They're sending texts. They're, you know, planning itinerary. Itineraries. <laughs> Next thing you know. Don't go to Antarctica. You're not allowed. It's just, it's nothing. There's nothing there. Why do you care? Why do you care so much? Well, just like, they have, like the cronies and the goons in the videos, they sent one of them ahead. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone now. That's where um, George Janko went. If anyone watches those podcasts. All right. Uh, other things to talk about. We've done so, so very much in the past two months. Um... One, one quick interlude I'll, I'll talk about again. Uh, we went to Coachella, or I went to Coachella, and we broke in. It was a zany adventure uh, with a YouTuber who channels Mars, and we hurtled ourselves over a fence. The, the novelty of the situation was we had tickets. It was all for the content, a very Gen Z Zoomer moment um, as the cool, uh, you know, culturally hip... Uh, older people like to say and um, honestly it was a pretty pretty good time I think the through line with it was you know the people going to those things now kind of suck ass um, think of people who like wear Pharrell hats um, you know like 10 years removed from happy and think of people who you know be planning out outfits for day one and day two and day three and people who you know, actually, I do want to talk about something. I don't, I don't want to beef with these people because I think it is a genius business. But I think the fact that they performed on, like, the main stage at Coachella was fucking insane. Um, it's 
a group called Emo Night. And I was taken there because I was with someone who's friends with them. And they had never seen Emo Night perform. They were like, oh, you know, I, I know them as people who throw parties. And we go to this, like, main stage. It's fucking packed. There's probably, like, 2,000, 3,000 people surrounding this huge, huge stage. And it's these two dudes up on stage. And they proceed to solely play, like, 90s and 2000s, like, emo hits, like, punk hits. They're playing, like, fucking Blink-182 and stuff. And they're just, like, hyping up music that's not theirs and they're like you're gonna love this next one whoa and then they like play like dirty little secret or something and i was like blown away because i was like this i i don't know if the people in the crowd like can register that they're just up there it's not even dj they're not touching the boards or anything they're just running around on stage like celebrating music they like and the whole time i'm thinking about like you know, did they clear this? Is this, like, some elaborate, like, are there, like, ten lawyers behind this, like, buying rights to play this at Coachella? And, you know, obviously that's going to cost a lot of money. Um, but I did a little bit more digging into into what Emo Night is, and I, I'm under the impression it's just, like, a cool party that's happening all around the world all the time. They just, like, pump massive amounts of, like, uh, you know, emo goth music nostalgia and just sell merch. That's it. It's a big merch company. They are subverting the medium of the concert. Of music. Of music. Music, as it is taking on more significance by way of nostalgia which I think is like a primary vector for listening to music among young people now. It's like a, a hauntological nostalgia. But what I really want to talk about right now is Rex's Acura right now is a bed for kittens or cuddling on it. And this got me thinking. Similar to Emo Night, these two cats on a car. The cat cannot drive the car, but it can make a bed of the hood. It can sleep on the hood of the car. This is to say, the medium is nearly infinite. The possibilities, the potentials within a medium are unspoken, unclarified, and are revealed solely through desire. When people are like, oh my god, there's nothing to do, there's nothing new, there's no more art to make. Try harder. Yeah, like, just, you see the Coachella stage and you think, musicians are going to play on this. I say, How no. about we let a merch company perform? Yeah, what if it was actually just, like, a soapbox for a street preacher? What if it was an ad? The yeah, whole thing what, was an ad. What if Coachella was an advertising room? What if it was... Alright, I, I want to make the joke, but we can go with, is it? I'll we'll bleep it out. What if Coach? What if we made the main stage of Coachella into a place where you could get? Whoa, bro! Come on, come on! <laughs> you can't be saying stuff like that. Um, I, I agree completely. I think this makes me think of um, the tweet you mentioned. We're kind of in the wake of a, a Vanity Fair article, the the new right, um, with a lot of the motley crew of you know neo intelligentsia burgeoning in scenes in crowded major cities 
intentions and artistic creative impulses muddled with authoritarian politics and blah 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 blah. Um, Sierra Armor Armor um, tweeted something that was like, you know, everyone's scared of the new right. What are they gonna do? Read you a poem? Put you on their fiftieth alt meme page? Turn you into a fucking milady? This is their power. <laughs> they I mean, that is. I, I will say, it's a it's a good bit, but it's also like we're in an, an area of medium exploration. Like I think something I've I've heard levied from a lot of the like older art people I know is like Gen Z needs to do something other than run a meme page. Um, at the same time, like I, I think there are ways. What else is based? I, I will say that it wasn't directed at me. The the MIA is something else completely. You you all listeners, you know that it was levied at other others inside of the space. But I will say, I think there are going to be ways we're going to see, like these things morph into new mediums and find ways to combine. Like I, I wouldn't be fucking surprised if. Maybe in June, a couple of people rent out a massive warehouse in uh, downtown Los Angeles, no, South Central Los Angeles, and MK Ultra, a bunch of people with a massive collection of TikToks and Instagram content and, you know, subversive internet art. That, that could be interesting. And that you listening might be the first in line mm. to a very... If you buy our NFT, it's going to get you in the front door. It's only $8,000. And you get to meet us eight years from now. We're going to give you a dog tag, too. <laughs> I, I do want to say, only enemy of the MIA right now, Praxis Society. Uh, there's a hidden episode, that uh, one of the many lost episodes of the MIA, where we talk a little bit about them as we're coming to understand what they are. But Praxis Society, number one enemy of the MIA. The crypto future city-state is... Uh, equitable to the dumpster I'm looking at that is across from uh, Rex's beautiful car. You want to make it into the future? Crash your car. Truly. Crash your car into a ditch and jump out riddled with amphetamines. That is what the future looked like and looks like and will look like. Eternally. The eternal city is a car crash and you will be the first in line. We're going to orchestrate so many. I can feel that. It resonates in the bones, the broken bones of the crash. I'm going to say something right now. Have you ever actually seen a car crash in your entire life? Or maybe, maybe they aren't real. Maybe there's a grand conspiracy. The Bureau of Car Crashes orchestrating every faux spiritual event you see. Have you ever had a relative say they were in a car crash? Maybe they're getting paid off. You should ask them that. Say, who's paying you? You know, there's a brilliant sensation when you hear a car crash. You can feel it. And you are drawn to turn around to look God in the eyes. Few have actually experienced it. We would all, we would have so many more enlightened individuals if they were real. When you are in a true crash, when the crash truly occurs, people talk about vibes, vibrations being all sound and movement. The resonance, the frequency of your breaking bones in the crash, they reverberate the voice of God. 
Amen. <laughs> then I jump out, I light a fucking cigarette, and I keep going. I just keep walking. Marinetti. True car crash. True car crash. Maybe one of the last. <laughs> he is he is definitely a prophet of a sort. What else do we have? Got medium? That's kind of the, the subversion of the medium. The using a car to sleep on for cats. This happens naturally when things are abandoned. Like the city, the nameless city, is no longer a, a cultural institution, a center for archaic reptilian activities and worship, but becomes a locale of psychic revelation, perhaps even a spiritual seizing. It becomes a space of revelation instead of a city. Things naturally, when they are abandoned, become something else. Human cities become gardens. Reclaim. Reclaim what is yours. When I look at a, a CD, a compact disc, I see infinite potential. I see infinite potential in a tape cassette. And yet you are bored of your iPhone? You have yet to explore the depths of any medium. Another interlude. Currently on the podcast, we're we're wet braining you. We're wet braining you. The the MIA. Oh, what's up? How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. Um, I want to talk about the horse, the The hexagram. Hexagram. Not the hexagram. The fucking the the character. The Chinese character of the horse that you were able to replicate. It's so brilliant. (laughs) Thank you. Have you ridden a horse? No. I almost got trampled by a horse once. Long ago? Long ago, yeah. Was it like a meaningful experience for you when it happened? No. Alright, just just in passing. Um, Yeah. Tell, tell us about the ideogram, Chris. Um, so, one of the essential parts of the Chinese language that is different from Eng- English. English uses letters to build words. The Chinese characters are simultaneously concepts in themselves and images of the concept that are used to build words. Um, The horse being one of the ideograms. And it began as like a very, very simple drawing of a horse and over time was like reduced and blocked, blocked out into like more straight lines. But in the beginning, it was much more round when it was put onto turtle shells that were put into ovens. 
and burned, and you'd read the cracks along the words, along the ideograms. Do you feel that your horse ideogram in some ways plays a divinatory role? Does it tell? Yeah, so the whole um, idea of the name Horsey One, so I just asked for a name because I was looking for a name. Someone said that and it clicked, it just made sense. Because the idea was to get everyone to rotate a horse in their head and everyone to draw the horse. Because I was always really interested in like, everyone scribbles, but everyone scribbles different. Mm. So you just draw randomly. Um, it says something about you. So if I could get as many people to draw it as possible, um, it'll take on its own life. I mean, it's a oh, horsey one. It is one horse between uh, like millions of brains. Not millions, thousands, but hundreds. I don't know. It will be millions. It will be. <laughs> I think the, uh, the point of bringing up the ideogram is like, you I, maybe inadvertently, maybe intentionally have like conjured something that already was from likely the the collective unconscious. Like these these runes pretty much are proto memes that uh, you know you have successfully orchestrated like an articulation of among many people simultaneously. No, definitely, it's what is astounding about the ideograms is that they are the root they're the root memes like they are the root of all Chinese language the root of Chinese thinking just as English is the root of our language uh, letters are the root of our thinking um, and it's what Ezra Pound talks about like the ideogram you picked is the one that he says is the very essence of China which is leisure it's like having time and using it using it well by riding horses and doing archery. That's exactly what I was going for. That's freaky. This is giving me an idea. I think um, we should pitch your your catalog to a Chinese billionaire and see if you can become like the the newest artist of China, um, you know, as they're funneling all this this like new capital that they're taking from Africa into, you know, they're trying to launder money and they can't do NFTs. They're going to be buying horsey one uh, TikToks. You want to come out to California and we'll ride horses and do archery? Yeah, sure. I think he's in California. He, he oh, was what? DMing us in San Diego. Okay. All right. I mean, like, yep. it's like a two-hour drive, three-hour drive. It was pretty close. Yeah, I've done it plenty. Cool. Two hours. All right. I think we're, we're going to take you off the pod. We'll keep talking to you. But uh, th- this is your pod appearance. Here, you want to pause it, Chris? Yeah. Nah. Nah, bro. Indeed. All right, we're rec- we're recording now. Uno, dos, tres. All right. There are evolutions of the word fairy that I've been thinking about. It goes through four stages. Fairy begins as a word like phantom or magic, like to magic somebody, to fairy somebody. It's like to enchant. 
to do magic. And then that becomes like a place, like a haunted place, like a, an ephemeral realm. It's like, that is fairy, in fairy, which then becomes the land of fairy, the land of enchanted creatures. So we got act to fairy, type of place fairy, place itself fairy, and then finally the residence of fairy, or fairies. That's how we see fairy change. Then there are three types of fairies. There are the fairies of romance, which are like magical people. Morgan Le Fay is like a human being, but fairy. Ogier, Ogier the Dane becomes a fairy. The Green Knight is a fairy. Then you get, then you get like elementals, magical creatures, fairies. Where would like Puck be? He's a fairy. He's a little. He's a the he's first a creature. one. No, he's a creature. Second one. Yeah, he's like not a human. And then you get like little tiny, cute fairies. Like Hezbollah. <laughs> like Tom Tom Thumb is a romantic fairy. Second type? No, first, he's a human being. Okay, so Hezbollah would be a, a, a magical, number one. Yeah, a magical human. Mm-hmm. Versus, like... What is... So three, would that just be, like... Almost like pixies? Yeah, like little tiny... Like cute. Tinkerbell, maybe? Yeah, Tinkerbell third. Okay. Whereas, Fourth? like... A satyr? No, just three types. No, what is... Oh, there's only three? Three types of fairies, four types of the word fairy. The fourth type, we're creating it now. All right. Internet fairies. Internet, yes. The internet, they come out of the internet UFO. I think angelicism is reaching at it. I think this is a seamless transition, an absolutely seamless transition into the Drain Gang concert. Because I would wager what Blade, Highboy Digital, Echo 2K are attempting to make music for is internet fairies. Mm. I think they are, they're grasping at it as well. I don't know if we have fully embodied ones yet, but we're very close. There's also, like, the gay pejorative. Hmm. A fairy. And I feel like they're, like, internet fairies. Kind of got a little bit of, like... What are you trying to say? <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, it's a good thing. We are an extremely pro-gay podcast. Pro-gay. If you are gay, and you are a Patreon subscriber... DM the account and you get a discount. <laughs> I will honestly, I haven't ever done a poll. How many of the Discordians are gay? Be gay. Be gay. Do crime. Do fairy. Do magics. Be um, an internet fairy. The it's interesting that you bring up the angels because Grimm, the brothers Grimm, actually translate fair one of the words for fairy as angel. Would you say, are aliens internet fairies, or are aliens, yeah. like, number two or three? Well, I think there's differences. There's, like, I would say that, like, Nords, like, love, the bro- the, the space brothers, yeah. <laughs> those are angels. Okay. But, like, the little dudes, yeah. who'd be, like, like, doing weird shit, fairies. I think it depends on the interaction with humans as to whether or not they are angelic or fairy. I think the 
the internet fairy to me is like a very particular class. Mm. And I, I associate the alien in the sense that it's such a heavy part of the myth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the internet is effectively just alien tech. Alienation tech. That's it. The fairy is like the good ending. The internet fairy is the good the good version of the alien, the internet alien, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's artistry, romance, beauty, even if it's a digitized form. Do you think uh, the immense success of, of Drain Gang is, is evidence towards the coming internet UFO, internet spirituality? They're like the jangling band announcing the coming of the prophet. The only fan. The only fan. The Antichrist. Here to say his word. With one click. The internet gone. With one subscriber, he can say something to everyone. He was the one hundred thousandth Neiman Health's subscriber. <laughs> Every major internet event, he was there. Mm-hmm. Lane. Lane, yeah. Lane is a look at the OnlyFan, but like the Christianized OnlyFan. Been, it's been an interesting two months. I think one of the last things I want to talk about on today's pod is, you know, when you hear this three months later after it's edited, um, we will be, we're aiming towards some more experimentations with the medium. You know, we mentioned an event in June. Uh, I think there's a couple other things swirling about ways we could release these episodes and, and make use of the content in them, which I will, I will ask you to bear patience with us as many, many beautiful things are to come. The same, the same kind of demand for regular output is not nearly as present in an artist like a musician. What, what I'm saying is that we're artists too. We're artists. We're basically too. better than you know. I, I like to think, you know, visual artists, audio artists, any anyone who does that are usually like a tier or two below the podcaster. Podcast um, has the highest form of modern art. <laughs> truly, the least it is just effortless. I've Absolutely nothing. And the greatest podcaster alive has never released an episode but has millions and millions of listeners. How? Do not ask these questions. Go forth. Hand someone a cigarette. Listen to the rhizomatic hum in the air through the electrical poles and the smoke. The, the, pod, the, low, the only fans podcast can be listened to solely through cigarette smoke. Solely through... That is the internet. That, that's the internet fairy because it's like a, a tobacco sylph. You need to evoke the salamander to gain access to the sylph network. Put that little the lighter next to the thing. Listen to this. Weaponize the electricity. Be well. I'm gonna end it. Pretty good.